If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It's four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. Uh, on Thursday here on the East Coast of the United States. You know what day and time it is. Wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show, first of all, I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. And for those of you who are off from work, I hope you're still having a wonderful holiday, but I hope you had a Merry Christmas and, and everything went well. Um, and I wish the same for the upcoming uh, new year. Um, it, I've been gone almost a week and it feels you know so good to be back live and of course even between christmas and new years we're never ever ever at a loss for news and of course i'm never at a loss for words so we have breaking news that uh, that happened a couple of hours ago and it's kind of the same thing almost similar kind of sort of uh, as to what happened uh, with the colorado state supreme court a week or so ago they said donald trump cannot be on the ballot uh, for the Republican uh, presidential nomination, couldn't even write his name in because he violated the 14th Amendment, uh, the, uh, the Section 3, which uh, said if you commit an insurrection or participate in an insurrection, <clears throat> you can't run for president. Now, that that is even though he was never charged with in, uh, participating in insurrection or being any part of an insurrection, never charged, nothing with the word insurrection. So, of course, that's going to be appealed. The Supreme Court will ultimately decide it. And while they're at it, they're going to their ruling will affect what happened today. Not another state Supreme Court. In fact, this is the state Supreme Court of Michigan said to the challengers to Trump on the ballot. Bye bye. Trump stays on the ballot, as so many other courts have also done. However, the secretary of state of the state of Maine Maine uh, has decided that Donald Trump will not appear on the ballot. Now, this is a joke for so many reasons. Again, um, citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which prohibits elected officials from holding office if they committed insurrection. So uh, her name is Sh uh, Shenna Bellows. She held a hearing on three challenges related to the nomination of Trump, according to a copy of uh, the decision. This is from the dailycaller.com. And first of all, prior to the decision coming down, everyone knew she was going to make a decision. The Trump people filed a petition, the legal team, to remove this Secretary of State woman from making this decision because in the past, she has decided, she has expressed, she has said, she has posted whatever that Donald Trump led and, and, and participated in an insurrection. January 6th was an insurrection. Donald Trump led the insurrection, blah, blah, blah. So, duh, you know, she's already prejudged it. How could she sit in judgment of the, of the filings? So this is another joke. It, it, but it, again, it's going to help Trump. It's going to help him. The Supreme Court will decide that this cannot stand. He'll be on the ballot in Colorado. He'll be on the ballot in Maine. He'll be on the ballot everywhere. The Democrats will stop at nothing to end democracy as we know it. They talk about voting rights when they're actively engaged in trying to remove the leading Republican presidential contender 
from the ballot and they talk about voting rights because you because because people have to have id and they call that racist because they come up with this cockamamie thing that somehow blacks can't get the id don't have the id and blacks themselves when they're polled say what so again it's another case it's another case folks of um of exactly they're 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 accusing the republicans and trump of doing exactly what they're doing on so many fronts when it comes to preserving our our, our cherished democracy okay so that's going on and i said she heard three cases you want to hear how bizarre one of the cases is what a joke this all is if i could find this um okay one of the petition or petitioners said trump can't be on the ballot because he click at this follow this this is one of the three cases petitions that she judged on and kicked trump off now obviously she didn't rule in favor of this one she didn't give this for a reason but this is how bizarre it is this is how desperate they are someone filed a petition that she took into consideration even though i guess she dismissed it that said follow me you know a president can only be president twice he could only run for two terms and win we could only win two terms well, since Trump says he won the 2020 election, this would be his third term and it disqualifies him from running, serving and naturally from being on the ballot. That's how sick and twisted and desperate these people are. Now, again, this was not ruled upon based on that, but someone actually filed that and she entertained it. I guess because it was one of three petitions so there there you go and we'll keep you posted of course on everything that happens here it just never ends never ends now there was other big news Seinfeld the big news um involves Nikki Haley Nikki Haley answered a question on the Civil War uh the causes of the Civil War why did the civil war start why did the civil war begin and nikki haley did not mention slavery now this goes back i mean this was this was on wednesday and i'll play it for you in a second but this is against the backdrop of the left taking her to task for her 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 stance on racial issues when she banned the confederate flag in south carolina when she was governor okay but that's not good enough for the left of course she is a minority she is a person of color but that's not good enough for the left because if you're a a, 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 a republican and you're a person of color or a woman or a trans you might as well be you know uh, just a, a regular republican voter they don't count you they don't count you. Um, so anyway, so back in 2010, Nikki Haley was running for governor of South Carolina, and she did an interview with Palmetto Patriots. And when talking about the Civil War, similar type question, she again, apparently or reportedly left out the slavery part. Now, I don't know how you leave out the slavery part. Maybe she's so much more educated than me and smarter than me. And I don't mean that facetiously that if someone asks me, what was the civil war about? I'll say slavery, you know, ending slavery or keeping slavery, depending on which side you're talking, you know, slavery. 
Lincoln, Emancipation Proclamation, the whole thing. But how you could give an answer to that question and not say slavery, I don't know. So here's what she said on Wednesday, Town Hall, New Hampshire, of course, the big New Hampshire primary getting closer and closer and closer. And here is cut number 301. Some people say I should drop out of this race. Really? I'm the only one saying Donald Trump is a liar. He pits Americans against each other. His Christmas message to anyone who disagrees with him, rotten hell. He caused a riot on Capitol. Stop it. All right, that, 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 I have that as 300. Now, I've been wrong before, uh, but um, let's go to the first Haley cut, if we could find, to play the next cut after that. Yesterday I was at, last night I was asked about the Civil War and what I think of the Civil War, what was the cause of the Civil War. Of course the Civil War was about slavery. We know that. That's unquestioned, always the case. We know the Civil War was about slavery. But it was also more than that. It was about the freedoms of every individual. It was about the role of government. For 80 years, the decision and the moral question of whether slavery was a good thing and whether government, economically, culturally, any other reasons, had a role to play in that. Okay, so that was her explanation today, earlier today, for what she said the day before. Um, but somehow, uh, somehow, we don't have the one from the day before. So anyway, it was... Uh, Again, if you say, of course, it was about slavery, then how could you have left slavery out of the answer? Again, I'm not I'm not saying that this, this disqualifies her. I'm not saying this makes her a racist, which is what the left is saying and implying or outright saying in many cases. Not at all. But civil war, slavery. You know, that's that's the word associating or outright saying in many cases. Not at all. But civil war, slavery. You know, that's that's the word association. No, you know, uh, um, um, you know, you get World War Two Nazis. I mean, it just, you know, it comes. It, it's 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 a natural. It's a natural and it should be a natural. OK, so if we're going to keep going in order, um, let's see what I could do here. Um, that was yesterday. I was asked, OK. Um, okay, here's another one. I think we have one more. Let's play the next one. But the lessons of what that bigger issue with the Civil War is that let's not forget what came out of that, which is government's role, individual liberties, freedom for every single person, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do and be anything you want to be without anyone or government getting in your way. The goal of what we always try and take away from that, right? Because we never want to return back to that place. But we always want to remember the lesson it means to be a free individual and that everyone deserves to be a free individual. So we stand by that. I say that as a Southerner. I say that as a Southern governor who removed the Confederate flag off the statehouse grounds. 
And I say that as a, a proud American of how far we have come. Okay, so there you go. All right. You know, you, you're going to have to judge her answer to that question, which we didn't get to hear, but I told you she left slavery. That's the takeaway. Um, you're going to have to judge her for that answer on your own. And if you think it really matters or doesn't matter. Now, this is pretty wild. She was at another town hall and a, it might've been the same one, a fourth grader, a nine-year-old boy asks her a question. Now, he's going to refer to John Kerry. John Kerry made the most infamous of flip-flops when he was running for president against George W. Bush back in 2004. The flip-flop was, I was for the war in Iraq before I voted against it. I was for it before I was against it, is what it became. Flip-flop. It's one of the many, 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 many things that ruined John Kerry in that, that race. There's no way he was going to win anyway. Plus his Vietnam lies and everything else. But, okay, but that's a famous flip-flop. So when this kid refers to John Kerry, that's what he's referring to. Pretty smart, unless somebody fed this to him, that he would know about that. He's nine years old. So he wasn't born when John Kerry said that, but I wasn't born when George Washington crossed the Delaware. Yet I know he did it. Okay, so here is uh, this question from this young man. Let's take it uh, to 306. Hey, little guy, how are you? He's not gonna give you the mic. No, how old is it? So, thank you, Nikki. I wanted to ask you, so Chris Christie, thinks that you're a flip-flopper on the Donald Trump issue. And honestly, I agree with him. And you're basically the new John Kerry on the... <laughs> you remember John Kerry from 2004. So my question is, how, how can you be... How can you change your opinion like that in just eight years? And will you pardon Donald Trump? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good, that's good question. He's a, he's a smart kid. And here's where she finds out how old he is and all that. And, and says basically a, a little of what we've already heard her say when it comes to Donald Trump and the quandary she professes to be in. Uh, here is cut 307. So first, tell me what your name is. Adam. And Adam, how old are you? So fourth, fifth grade? No, fourth. fourth grade. Well, I, for one, am very proud of you for coming and very proud of you for listening and very proud of you for asking that question. So the first thing I'll tell you is politics is about distraction, right? And so people like my friends, Chris Christie, are going to say she's a flip-flopper. But let's look at it. What's he saying I'm flip-flopping on? He's basically saying that I'm not hitting Trump hard enough, right? The interesting part of this whole situation is anti-Trumpers think I don't hate him enough. And pro-Trumpers think I don't love him enough. And at the end of the day, the fact is, I'm just telling you the truth like I see it. All right. So there you go. Uh, we've heard that before. And it's it's a good answer, kind of uh, interesting, though. Donald Trump Jr. 
um, recently said that he, at, at all costs, he would not allow his father to pick Nikki Haley as the vice president, that she's an establishment Republican, blah, 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 blah. She's not a conservative. And there's been a lot of talk lately with her increased, uh, you know, uh, um, position in the polls and strength in the polls and that and, you know, her experience. And she's a female. Obviously, she's a female. Am I allowed to say that? Can I make that assumption uh, that she would make a strong vice president uh, uh, number two on the ticket uh, for independents and undecideds, et cetera? But Donald Trump Jr. was like, oh, basically over my dead body. So we'll see how that works out. Okay, I want to move, go back to the Colorado situation, kicking Trump off the uh, the ballot. This is interesting. First, let me say, violence, threats, never the answer. You commit violence, you make threats that are against the law, get locked up. Okay? On the left, which never happens, and on the right, which seems to always happen. Okay? So that's where I stand on that. Now, anybody editing tapes, that was said already. Now it's gone. I understand that, but I'll take my risk. So here's CNN. They promoted a story. Before the story came on, they promoted a story uh, that still had threats that are being made against the justices of the Colorado State Supreme Court. And now the FBI is stepping into the fray. Threats? Not good. You threaten a Supreme Court justice, you should, you should be arrested. Just like if you threaten a person, you should be arrested if it's against the law. Okay, that's where I stand. But that's what they said. That's how they teased this story from CNN. This was pointed out by Media Research Center, okay? So let's go to cut 292. The Denver police did have to respond um, to what they said was a hoax report at one of the justices' residences. No specific threats to the justices uh, in those forums from what we understand. So no specific threats at this time that are requiring law enforcement to make arrests. Those are very non-specific threats at this time. There has also been generally law enforcement looking into the discussion about these justices on online forums, particularly uh, some general discussion among extremists uh, and people who are pro-Trump. <laughs> well, if you're pro-Trump, you're an extremist. But again, no threats. Hmm. Hmm. That's what threats that are being made against the Colorado State Supreme Court justices. Now the FBI is stepping into the fray. No threats, she says. No threats. Really? Okay, then. No threats. So, uh, let us go to this. You want to hear threats? You want to hear threats that nobody cared about? And I've played this for you before. Not in a long time and not since we started uh, a video. So, you get to see it as well. Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer threatening... Two members of the United States Supreme Court from outside the Supreme Court as they were weighing a case on a, the case on abortion. Here is cut 289. Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. 
you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. You will pay the price. Now, if you're talking to a person who's running for re-election, you could say, well, you won't be re-elected. You won't know what hit you. you you'll pay the price. You won't be re-elected. Supreme Court justices have that job until they decide they don't want it anymore. So what price would Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, as he puts it, pay? What do you mean you won't know what hit you? This is a U.S. the highest ranking Democrat senator in the in the in the in the U.S. Senate. I don't think he was majority leader at the time. He might have been or he be at the very least. He was minority leader. Highest ranking Democrat in the U.S. Senate. Chuck Schumer threatening. Specifically two U.S. Supreme Court justices. And there was a little he said, oh, poor choice of words. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. CNN didn't say the FBI is stepping into the fray as a U.S. senator threatens two Supreme Court justices when they really had a threat. No, 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 no. And then <laughs> then we go to uh, how Jake Tapper covered this. Listen how Jake Tapper on CNN covered this back in March of 2020 when Schumer said this. It's kind of like, a oh, by the way, oh, Nothing here. Let's just play it, but there's nothing here. Here's 287. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. And our national lead Republicans are accusing Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of threatening the two conservative Supreme Court justices who heard a controversial abortion case this morning. Schumer's spokesman says that Senator Schumer was just talking about political blowback for Republicans. All of this bigger picture is over the debate about whether Louisiana can require doctors who perform abortions to have to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals. Advocates for the law say it's meant to increase public safety. Critics say it is a thinly veiled attempt to restrict abortion. And if the Louisiana law takes effect, only one doctor in the state would be able to perform abortions. I'm joined now by CNN's Joan Biskupic. Joan, four years ago, the Supreme Court struck down a similar law in Texas. See, see, oh, Republicans accuse him of threatening. We all heard him threaten. Republicans accuse him of threatening, and that's it. But this is all about a bigger, th bigger issue. This is about the Louisiana law and the, that the Supreme Court is considering. And even to his guest, he goes on to the case. Nothing about Schumer. That should be the first thing he asks her. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's always a joke with these people. It's always a joke with these people. They could say anything. They could do anything. You, and here's another one. But here's how the Wall Street Journal actually handled this one. Compare what you just heard. Eh, Republicans think, but this is about, and then he goes on, to, forget it. That never happened. Republicans think, blah, 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 onto the case. But listen to what the Wall Street Journal editorial staff put together for that remark by Schumer. Cut 288. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. 
So the Senate Minority Leader goes to the steps of the Supreme Court and threatens two associate justices, saying, you won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. It was over the top. There's nothing to call this except a threat. And there's absolutely no question to whom, to whom it was directed. It wasn't right for anybody to do it and check. Uh, recognize those words. Democrats are trying to rally their progressive base with attacks on the court, but there's a very high possibility that this is going to backfire on them politically. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments, as you know, for the first major abortion right cases since Justices Kavanaugh <laughs> and Justices Gorsuch <laughs> came to the bench. Chuck Schumer. What a creep. He's always been a creep. What a creep. And he got away with it. Of course he got away with it. Of course he got away with it. He's a Democrat. He was only threatening two U.S. Supreme Court justices who were conservative and men and white. Cory Booker. Cory Booker said this about a sitting U.S. president, Donald Trump. Uh, to Seth Meyers on NBC late night um, back in uh, 2019. Watch, this is cut 290. I was running on a uh, Iowa stage and we were so psyched, hundreds of people there. I'm about to jump up and this guy sees me, the former tight end from Stanford University. He's a big guy. He puts his arm around me and he goes, dude, I want you to punch Donald Trump in the face. And I stop in my tracks and I go, dude, that's a felony, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, 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 this, uh, Donald Trump is a guy who you understand he hurts you and, you, and my testosterone sometimes makes me want to uh, uh, feel like punching him, and, uh, which would be bad for this elderly, out of shape man that he is if yeah. I did that. Uh, um, uh, this physically, awesome. physically weak specimen. What an, what an ass. First of all, he wants to punch the sitting president in the, of the United States, okay? That should be enough to investigate him. Nobody cared. Secondly, secondly, my testosterone makes me want to, that's why I call him forever, forevermore, Mr. Testosterone. See, Cory Booker seems to want to bend over backwards, no puns intended, to prove that he drips testosterone that he's more macho than macho then he is more man than man should be you get it there are times my testosterone maybe who would say it like that who would say it like that who would say you want to sit a, a u.s a sitting u.s senator says he wants to punch the president in the face on national tv and then there was joe biden two occasions campaigning for Hillary and running for president, uh, talking about the, uh, the Hollywood access tape where Trump made comments about grabbing a woman, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here is cut number two. Oh, by the way, when he says, if I punch Trump, that would be bad. That would be, that would be really bad for, for, for Trump. Uh, you know, he's so, uh, Cory Booker is, uh, let's see, Cory Booker is right now 54. Trump is 77, 23 year difference. And you're bragging about how you could beat up a, a, a man 23 years older than you. 
Does that does your testosterone make you want to brag? What a creep. Here's uh, Joe Biden. Again, nothing, not, nobody cares, but here it is, 291. He said, because I'm famous, because I'm a star, because I'm a billionaire, I can do things other people can't. What a disgusting assertion for anyone to make. The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Wow. Of course, he didn't say beat the hell out of him, but never stopped Joe Biden from making things up in the first place. He implied it. And again, nobody cares about any of this. Urging violence, perpetuating the feeling of violence, whatever, planting the seed of violence against Donald Trump when he was president, when he was running for president, doesn't matter. Two Supreme Court justices, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, folks, um, when we come back, New Year's resolutions. New Year's Eve is a couple of days away, right? You making them? Why do you make them? You ever keep one? We're going to talk to an expert, okay? Don't go away. Steve Malsberg right here on TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. From weather and traffic reports, to news of political developments. We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Domestic journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. 
These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right, folks, welcome back. All right, so depending on where you are, uh, New Year's Eve is uh, three nights away, two nights away, whatever. It's coming up. And, you know, people party. Hopefully you party safely. I always get a kick out of uh, watching CNN and the next time that I'm on the air after watching CNN playing the clips from their insane, in some cases, drunken stupors of some of the hosts and some of the idiotic things they say, whether they've been drinking or not. It's it's the tradition. Now, Don Lemon's not there. Um, I usually have a lot of fun with Don Lemon and what he said, but they do have uh, Anderson Cooper and that other guy in New York, and who knows who they'll come up with. Anyway, that's for, that's for I will be on a New Year's that I will be on the, the night of, of New Year's, M Monday Eastern time at 9 p.m., so make sure you're, you're with me. But resolutions. People make New Year's resolutions, as we said, going into the break. Why do they make them? What are the most common resolutions? How many, what percentage of people actually keep them? And do they realize they don't keep them? And when they, like, say, I'm not going to do this, and then they say to themselves, well, I'm doing it, uh, whether it's a day, a week, a month later, does it even mean anything? I don't have these answers, but you know who has these answers? Dr. Deborah Mandel, the love doctor, author of the new book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. And uh, doctor, welcome aboard. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that stuff. All that good stuff. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. New Year's no, resolution. Yeah, so, <laughs> so little, you know, it's... We do a lot of uh, media, a lot of uh, scrutiny, a lot of uh, politics and some sports and entertainment. But I thought this was a very worthwhile topic so for, for, the, for the, the season we're in. So, so tell me, what is, um, how many people what would you say, you know, percentage-wise or whatever, make New Year's resolutions? How many keep the New Year's resolutions? I would say that most people make something of the sort and most people do not follow through. So how about that? I don't have actual raw data or statistics, but it's been right. my experience both in clinical practice and my personal life with friends, with family, is that toward the end of the year, or not just the end of the year, people tend to mark things by dates. Like on this birthday, I will do this, or on this anniversary, I will do this, or on this new year, I will do this. And so we use dates, which we don't have any control over the date, right? That's just a, it's an artificial number. And yet we, we put a lot of credibility on that, on that moment. So it's really better if we make resolutions based on our actual internal motivation. What are we really motivated to change? Well, you know, it's interesting. If someone close to you passes or you're at a funeral for someone that you're close enough to go to a funeral for, um, it, it makes you think. It makes you stop and think. And, you know, I got to change things. I got to appreciate life is so fleeting. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't know what kind of resolution you call that or how that's categorized, uh, uh, brought on by that situation. Uh, but I would venture to say that, you know, 
again, you know, probably 95 and more percent of the people, maybe for a week or so, they'll be aware of it. And then they're not even aware of it anymore. I think the same is with the New Year's resolution. They, they you know, they start out, maybe they'll say, oh, I, can't, I said I wouldn't do it. I can't do this today. And uh, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, certainly it's like back to normal. You know, so, so do, do, do people feel better about themselves for pledging to change? Uh, do they feel pressured because they feel others are doing it and they, they should be uh, on board and changing as well? What's the, what's the reason for people deluding themselves into thinking that I'm going to make this change? Well, I think, you know, human beings have a need to belong. And so, yes, if the grand group is doing something, we tend to feel like we want to participate in that. So there is some pressure. You know, what are you going to change this year? People will ask you that at your party. What do you, what's your plan for this next year? How are you going to achieve these goals? And I think that we have the best chance of success if we keep our goals and our expectations of ourselves reasonable and we make uh, objective criteria that is actually doable. So for instance, let's say someone says, I want to lose, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year. It's not really a very manageable goal because that's based on what? How about saying, I am going to choose to not have that extra cookie three times this week. It's something that's actually doable and quantifiable. So when we actually take control of that, which we have control over, instead of these kind of grandiose expectations that we're going to do something because it's because of some date. That's how we keep motivation alive. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, so do most people go along with the peer pressure and feel they have because they know someone else is doing it or they're doing it out loud or do they, are there people who, um, and, and again, you don't have percentages, but it, it's it, through your experience. Um, does it mean more if you just do it internally? and pledge to yourself huh. you're going to do something as opposed to saying to your group of friends, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, starting tonight, it's starting tomorrow. Um, does, does one mean more than the other or not really? I think it's a great question because a lot of times we do believe that the accountability of somebody else is going to make us have more motivation. So in other words, if I've said that to you and I'm a, word, I'm a person of integrity or a person of my word, then I'm going to want to keep that. But it's not really how that works because we don't necessarily have the drive internally to make that happen. So we make promises to others. Then we go through this whole embarrassment cycle where we didn't live up to it. Then we start making excuses. Then it makes it even harder to even take a step at all. So I think sometimes it's better, maybe with a very trusted friend or a loved one, that you might say, hey, look, this is something I'm expecting to do. This is something I want to do. I'm going to let you know this. Hold me a little bit accountable, but let's face it. Chances of my actually sticking to that promise, not very high, but I'm going to do my best. Now you have a okay. little bit of No, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, so let me ask you this. What are the most common uh, kinds of, uh, of resolutions? Is it about, you know, losing weight? Is it about, you know, not having that, that, uh, that next cookie, which is more reasonable? Um, I mean, they may, people probably over, over promise themselves, but, but is it on, is it on weight? Is it on health? Is it on, I'm going to be more adventurous. I'm going to spend more. Your life is short. I mean, what is it more cautious kind of thing and, and stuff that will benefit the person? Or is it, you know, I'm going to splurge because life is fleeting. I think that they can be anywhere on that continuum, right? Anything from I'm going to lose five pounds to I'm going to change my entire life and be a better person. So anything is possible in our minds. 
The idea, though, is to make these successful is to really get realistic. Now, a lot of our desire to make change is based on fear or it's based on some event or experience that we had in the past year. And we mark the new year as a, as a time for an alteration in our behavior, alteration in our attitude. And all of those things are meaningful and important. But to stick with it requires us to really understand what are we asking of ourselves? What's reasonable? What's doable? What's possible? And where does our motivation come from? So I think it's important to say if we're just doing something out of fear and then we no longer are faced with that fear, what's the chances of us following through with that which we promised? But yeah. if our motivation uh, so- is... Yeah, because I think I'll feel no, no, better. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah, you finish, finish. Go ahead. Yeah, I think if, if we're making some statement to ourselves because it's going to make us fear, feel better about ourselves as a person, I think that's going to have a lot more staying power than something that we just think that other people think is a good thing. Well, uh, I could, let me get as personal as I dare go. I mean, uh, have you made resolutions? If you have, would you be willing to tell us at least what realm they're in? And have you been successful in, in keeping them? Or are you, do you fall victim like most other people? I tend to not make New Year's resolutions. I tend to make ongoing promises and expectations of myself that I think I can fulfill. So one of my most important things in my life is to be a kind-hearted person. And when I get a little nutty and when I get a little angry and when I say things that I don't like myself for saying, I regret that and I don't like it. It feels bad. I feel guilty about it. I even have a little bit of shame about it. So that's kind of an ongoing thing for me is to try to be a kind-hearted, generous, loving person in the best way that I can on a daily basis. All right. So talk about what, 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 uh, what could we learn from the book uh, and, and do you have to be a female to, to, uh, to appreciate what you would learn from the book? Uh, the book, of course, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. What, what is in there and, and what could people expect to, uh, to, to get from it? It's basically an in-depth guide for mothers and their adult daughters on how to bring a little bit of that sugar and spice back in their lives when somebody's become not so nice. Now, by the way, daughters can perceive their mothers as not so nice and mothers can see can perceive their daughters as not so nice. So it's really a a dive in, dig in, dig deep, and understand the ways in which as a mom, you may have created some emotional wounds in your daughter and try to own up to those, take responsibility, create new boundaries, new limits, understanding, open dialogue, putting out that olive branch to try to create a better interaction. So many of us in my generation, anyway, we did uh, pendulum parenting, which was maybe we had kind of a tough go of it in childhood, maybe a heavy-handed parent, maybe an abusive parent or a neglectful parent. So we make this vow to give our daughters everything, that which we did not have. I'm going I'm to shower you with love endlessly. And sometimes that love is having no boundaries. It's not having any limits. It's allowing your daughter to believe that the world is always her oyster and she doesn't have to care about anybody else. So we've got checklists, sugar and spice exercises. Now you asked me, Why is it written just for mothers and daughters? The truth is women buy more self-help books than men do. (laughs) Publishers tend to like topics for the people who are going to buy them. The concepts, though, in the book is really about self-ownership, responsibility, understanding where you have control, and becoming empathetic and compassionate in a way that's going to be received. I think that that I mean that, that I don't have a daughter that, and I'm not a mother, uh, but that would be a, a very uh, interesting and I think beneficial read uh, for for anybody who does. And if you added a chapter on 
your take on how that all applies to uh, uh, a father-son relationship or whatever. I think a lot of men out there would also uh, be interested, or they might be interested anyway, if they, you know, their wife, uh, the relationship between their wife and their daughter and how they can maybe advise uh, one or both of them after reading your book. So again, the book is um, is uh, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude, and it's by Dr. Deborah Mandel. Doctor, I thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you have a great 2024. And who knows, maybe we'll talk again. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a, have a beautiful new year. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Very interesting. Very nice lady. Very interesting. Um, book sounds interesting as well, but new year's resolutions. I, I personally, I don't, you know, maybe when I was a kid, you know, but I, I never took it seriously. I mean, not to the point where it meant anything. And you know, I, I, when things happen, doesn't doesn't have to be God forbid a death, but when things happen or you get into a fight with somebody, you know, I I try to tell myself or, you know, okay, do it differently. Don't do that again. Control yourself. This and that. And I like to think that sometimes that comes into play as I go forward in in that relationship. Um, of course, sometimes it doesn't. Like any other human being, um, I'm flawed and. You try the best you can do, but we could all do better and we should all do better. And of course, it's it's up to each individual. I'm not here to tell you what to do by any long shot. Okay, we have one final. Oh, I can't wait till tomorrow at this time, God willing, when it'll say it, I'll say for the year. But we have one final segment left in the hour right now. So don't go anywhere. Steve Malsberg right here on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Two new internationally peer-reviewed studies published in major scientific journals have documented misleading northern hemisphere temperature data and attribution analysis indicating inadequate considerations of the urban heat island, its influence on climate records and dominant influences of the sun, and producing warming and cooling phases. Published in August in the journal Climate, the first of these studies concludes that the global warming influences on people could be mostly an urban problem associated with a well-known urban heat island phenomenon by where structures, including paved surfaces and concrete buildings, absorb heat during the day and release it at night, but of course much more slowly. Although urban areas account for less than 4% of the global land surface, they contain many of the weather stations where temperatures are collected which substantially skew the bigger picture. Whereas the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that UHI accounts for less than 10% of the global warming, the new study suggests that urban warming might account for up to 40% of the recorded change since 1850. Now you combine that with some of the other things that the IPCC conveniently seems to ignore, like underwater heating that's going on, and what do you get? You get a good reason to be very, very skeptical on what you're being told about the climate. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal, just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? 
the Normal Maker. New from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, how our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Um, don't forget Dave uh, Olward is next. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Dave Olaborn. I always say that because I keep saying it was a baseball player who played for the, uh, say that again? Oh, so he's not next. Okay, but I still, I, I apologize for mispronouncing his name. There was a baseball plays, uh, player, uh, John Olerud, and it always sticks in my mind, always comes out of my mind like that. I, that's why I write it down. There it is, Jason Olaborn. And I, I, I always, if I don't look at it and read it, that way, it comes out the other way, and I apologize. Okay, so let me, uh, let, let me uh, tell you what's, what's going on. On Wednesday, there was this big, big summit, this big meeting, okay, down on the border in Mexico with the president of Mexico. Then Biden sent uh, our secretary of state. He sent our, uh, our uh, homeland security uh, director, uh, Mayorkas and, and, and Blinken. And, and uh, they were all there and they met with the president there of Mexico. And oh, with this immigration problem, this immigration crisis. Now, first of all, first of all, wasn't Kamala Harris placed in charge of the immigration problem in this country by President Biden? Isn't she in charge? Doesn't she keep going around saying, well, we have to get to the root causes. You know, we have to find out why they're leaving their countries. Uh, was she busy? Was she laughing like a hyena? Was she saying that the upcoming election is the most of our lifetime? Whatever that means, again? What, why, she couldn't go down there? Well, let me play a cut for you here. This is, uh, I believe, uh, CNN reporting. Um, no, this is not CNN. Yes, CNN in the morning on Wednesday reporting on this summit. And not one mention of Kamala Harris, 293. We begin this morning with the crisis at the southern border, where President Biden is sending some of his highest ranking officials as the largest migrant caravan since June of 2022 leaves southern Mexico, hoping to reach the United States. That caravan includes 6,000 migrants, and its leader is carrying a banner reading Exodus from Poverty. Today, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall will all meet with their Mexican counterparts in Mexico City to try to reach an agreement to try to stem the tide of migrants into the United States. We begin this morning with CNN's Priscilla Alvarez live for us at the White House. Priscilla, you have new reporting on what the administration is looking to ask for in these meetings. What are the expectations? Well, Phil and Poppy, President Biden is ending the year the way he started it, working with his Mexican counterpart to try to manage the record migration in the Western Hemisphere. And the urgency of the moment is clear by who is heading down to Mexico today. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, and Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall all going down to meet with the Mexican president and members of his cabinet as thousands of migrants move north. Oh, not Lynn Sherwood Randall. I never heard of her before. Oh, Lynn Sherwood Randall, huh? Do you see how dishonest and despicable these people are? The question that comes to mind immediately is where's Kamala Harris? 
This is so important. This is so big. This is so huge. Oh, you could tell by the caliber of the people, the rank of the people that are going down there, except the person in charge of the immigration crisis who happens to be the vice president. Not a mention. Not she wanted to go, but she couldn't because she's, you know, studying Venn diagrams. Uh, Nothing. Not because she's stuck on a school bus because she loves school buses. (laughs) Nothing. Kamala Harris doesn't exist. She's not in charge of this issue. It never happened. Dishonest media, fake news by omission, fake news by omission. That's what these people are. They always have been. I don't just mean CNN. I mean, the whole media. They've always been and they always will be. Now, let me tell you what took place at this meeting. You ready for this? This is a Fox News story. A meeting this week between top U.S. and Mexican officials to discuss ongoing migrant crisis included talks about, you ready, regularizing illegal immigrants living in the U.S. Regularizing, in quotes. (laughs) First of all, what the hell does regularizing, meaning making the illegals in this country citizens what does that have to do why would what does that have to do with keeping more illegals out of this country and stopping them at the mexican border why is it mexicans damn business did we bring it up did mexico bring it up why was it brought up well we know why it was brought up sparking a furious reaction from house republicans who called it unconscionable it is unconscionable. Uh, let's see. Blinken, da, 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 joint statement. The countries affirmed to their commitments to orderly, humane, and regular migration and stressed their efforts to tackle root causes. Root causes. Kamala, root causes. Harris should have been there. Um, of migration, disrupt human smuggling, promote private investment, while blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to find. But the statement also said that officials discuss the benefits of granting some form of legal status for illegal immigrants already in the U.S., including those protected by the 2012 um, DACA, you know, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, an order signed by Barack Obama, which shielded some illegals who arrived uh, as minors. The delegations also discussed the benefits of regularizing the situation of Hispanic immigrants, I'm sorry, migrants, who have been undocumented for several years with the DACA beneficiaries who are a vital part of the U.S. society and economy, the joint statement said. This is a sham. I can't even believe they had the nerve to put this in there. We know that's their intention, but they put this in the statement. This is a joke. This is a joke. And Biden will never get the Ukraine money never and israel won't get its money from that proposal they'll get other funds but this will never be passed by congress he what he just did was alienate and 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 ruin alienate that the republicans and ruin any chance that there was for reconciliation folks i'll be back tomorrow god willing same place same channel 9 p.m eastern tell your friends tell your enemies the final show of the year for me on tnt